by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to N17 Women, the original Spurs Women fan podcast. This is Caroline, and I'm joined today by two of my co-hosts, Abby and Sean. How are y'all doing? I'm good, and I've had a busy week um, at Spurs. Proud Lily White celebrated their 10th birthday this week, so it's been a busy one. But uh, hopefully it's calming down now. Just enjoying my Friday off, having a nice time. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we have two cup matches to recap today, briefly, I will say. And then a look ahead to the next WSL game and also a few listener questions to answer. So let's just jump straight into that first cup match, which was a home fixture against Manchester City in the Conti Cup quarterfinal. Final score, Tottenham nil, one for Manchester City. So in this third matchup against City this season, Robert Villaham chose to make a couple of changes to the previous lineup. Kit Graham replaced Olga Atanen in the midfield pivot, and Shuang Wang took up the number 10 role, while Martha Thomas got a start at striker over Beth England. With these changes, the full lineup was Barbara Vatikova in goal, Amanda Nilden at left back, Molly Bartrip and Amy James Turner at center back, Charlie Grant at right fullback. Evelina Sumanen and Kit Graham in the midfield, Grace Clinton and Celine Bazette at left and right winger, respectively, Shuang Wang in the number 10, and then Martha Thomas at striker. So what did y'all make of these changes and the overall lineup for the City game? Well, I guess I felt a little bit like, oh, we're playing City. So like, you know, whatever happens is going to happen. I'm still excited to see some of the January signings. Uh get out there even though we've been seeing a lot of them it's always good to see more um and yeah kind of like I I it always interested to see Kit back there too because I can tell especially now I think he said some stuff since that game like Wilhelm seems to you know like her there and uh whenever he puts her there I'm like well I gotta I gotta watch I gotta see I, I gotta see that passing let's let's have it yeah, I think Kit was a response to the Liverpool game because obviously when she came on in the second half against Liverpool, she uh, did really well in that role. Uh, so it didn't surprise me to see her starting this game after that um, performance. And yeah, we all love to see Kit uh, getting some game time. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I think it was probably pretty much what we expected. Good to see um, Shuang Wang getting a bit more time to see what she can do. Obviously, um, Robert's been talking up what she's been doing in training. So great to have the opportunity to see that on the pitch and uh yeah we were just all hoping i guess that that the improvement would continue yeah and i think we had also talked last episode about not wanting to see beth and martha on the pitch at the same time necessarily so it was good to see a little something different from the lineup so to be honest this was a pretty straightforward game i feel like spurs defended really staunchly but couldn't create much going forward uh, quite literally, as we registered zero shots, let alone shots on target. So not great. City scored the sole goal of the game off of a short corner routine with Jess Park finding Yui Hasegawa well outside the 18-yard box for a long-range rocket. Barbara had saved a few other shots from distance and nearly got a hand to this one, but couldn't keep it out. So thoughts on this goal, which apparently was Hasegawa's first goal of the season. I mean, it was a fucking rocket, wasn't it? 
uh, mostly that. I do think maybe we could have closed her down a little sooner. I can't fault Barbara for it, though. I know I said I'd be watching her long-distance shots, but let's scratch that one from the record. It was just a really good shot. Yeah, I mean, uh, watching it live, you know, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to do much about that. Watching it back again, I did think there's no one even attempting to close her down at that point, so could have been a little bit more pressure on her. But obviously, you know, when the ball comes to her and she takes a shot like that, there's not much we're going to do about it. So if that's the only way they're going to score, then that's a lot better than it has been. Right. At least we weren't giving up, you know, high probability chances quite as much as we had in previous games. Because I think, you know, Charlie and Amanda both did a really good job of closing down the wingers, which, you know, we had identified as an issue going into the game. So some improvement at least. We did have a few substitutions in the second half to try to get a foot back in the game. So Beth England replaced Schwang at halftime. Jess Naz came on for Celine in the 58th minute, followed by Matilda Vinbear for Martha in the 67th. And then finally, Rosella Ion came on for Grace in the 78th. Did any of these subs stand out to y'all for good or bad reasons? I mean, I think throughout the game, it remained pretty much the same, didn't it? Just in the sense that we were spending so much energy defending that we didn't have anything going forward and we couldn't, you know, I mean, that's the next stage, I think, in the development is working out how to find those moments to go forward. Um, We did bump into Robert on the stairs on the way out and he basically said that as well, you know, we we need to, you know, we're doing well defensively, but we're taking up so much energy with that. And I don't think the substitutions made any difference there really because obviously the the message was clear defence is the primary goal because after seven goals being conceded in the first game we were clearly not wanting to be doing that again so uh, I think it's yeah I don't, I don't think they made really much difference much you know people, similar people coming on and doing similar things um, but just with fresh legs uh, and we'll talk more I guess about Beth and her frustrations in the next game I think because they continued but um, yeah I think just came on and, and continued really in the same vein. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. You know, it was a game where we just didn't really look like scoring and our best hope had been kind of getting to penalties and that kind of went out the window with the the goal from Hasegawa. So that was our third loss to City in the current campaign and our exit from the Conti Cup. But we are still alive in the other competition, the FA Cup. So let's shift focus to that game now. We played Charlton Athletic and beat them 1-0 at home. As this was the third game in seven days, Robert opted for a little bit more rotation to the starting lineup. Becky Spencer got another starting goal, which was nice to see. Luana Buller, also very nice to see, made her long-awaited return in the center-back pairing. And Olga Atsinen was back in the midfield pivot with Beth England replacing Martha Thomas as striker. So full lineup, we had Becky Spencer in goal, Amanda Nelden and Charlie Grant at the fullback positions. Molly Bartrip and Luana Buller at center back, Evelina Simonen and Olga Atenen in the midfield, Grace Clinton and Celine Vizette on the wings, Shuang Wang in the 10 again, and Beth England at striker. So thoughts on that starting lineup? Well, I guess the thing that that stood out to me was, I think we talked about it on the pod last week of maybe like alternating Beth and Martha in games and trying to get them to build some confidence. So I was happy to see, like, for two cup games, that kind of happened. Oh, and of course, it was really, I love seeing Becky. I love Becky. 
Yeah, I mean, it's important at this point, isn't it, to get a bit of rotation with the injuries we've had and things. So good to see a bit of change, to see Luana coming back. Um, obviously, centre-backs at the moment is a bit of a difficult situation for us. So good to see that we've got three that can be playing. Uh, and I mean, I have to say, you know, Celine has been doing really well, I think, over the last few games and has really impressed me. Um, so always good to see her on the pitch and, um, and getting a start. And obviously... She's been learning some tricks from Grace. I think their friendship has not just meant uh, a, a buddiness; it's also meant that Celine has been learning and picking up some tricks on take-ons and things. And the stats actually are starting to show Celine looking better than Grace, which is good to see. So, um, yeah, uh, happy to see the two of them again. And yeah, I mean, it should have been a game that was fairly straightforward, really, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's a good shout about Celine because I, I do think we have not seen quite as much productivity from Grace in the last couple of games. Hopefully that's just a temporary blip because she has had a really great season so far. But overall, I think we definitely improved our attacking efforts in this game in terms of creating chances, but we still ended up with only the game-winning goal as our sole shot on target. So this is probably because we hit the woodwork a bunch of times. Um, you know, Beth in particular missed a big header opportunity. Celine and Schwang both had shots go just wide in the first half too. So how did we feel after the first half, at least that it was an improvement on the City game? I mean, I'm not sure I would call it an improvement on the City game in the sense that City are that much better. Um, I, you know, I would have liked to have seen us in that first half scoring a few goals and settling a few nerves and Pushing on, that's what I think what we were all hoping for, but it didn't happen. I mean, obviously, Charlton are a well-organised side. We know Karen Hill as well. And they're sitting on top of the championship, so they're doing something right. Uh, but, you know, where we're at now, that shouldn't have mattered and we should have been able to um, to assert our dominance in that game. And I don't know quite whether it was just because everybody was tired and they would obviously exerted a lot of energy in that City game, but it didn't feel like we were on uh, on an attacking bend uh, in that game, we were we felt like we were sitting back a bit in this and, you know, not doing what we needed to. So it was a bit disappointing, I thought, the first half. Yeah, I feel like um, since I watched it after the fact, my perception of, like, the first half was, was a bit coloured. I think if I'd just been watching it at the time, I probably would have been disappointed as well because, like, I think in other games, we really have shown a lot of attacking verve and and cup games against lower table sides and and I still was a bit like oh yeah this isn't quite this isn't quite what what I expected but yeah tiredness and all that well and speaking to the you know fixture congestion Robert did make two changes at halftime and those seemed like they were pre-planned so we had Jessica Naz and Martha Thomas come on for Grace and Schwang Luana also did not make it the whole game on her return from injury. She was subbed out in the 62nd minute to be replaced by Amy James Turner, as Celine was also swapped out for Matilda Vinbear, which meant that Jess ended up switching sides as a result. Um, and then our final sub ended up being the crucial one with Kit Graham coming on for a bruised and battered Evelina in the 70th minute. And on that note, the game really became quite physical in the second half as both Evelina and Becky bore the brunt of very cynical fouls. So I would like to let y'all use this time to rant about Kate Longhurst, the enemy of N17. I know it's a real shame that Rachel isn't here because I feel like Rachel is maybe like uh, Kate Longhurst's public enemy number one after the, the 
the uh, Karis um, appearances race last season. I mean, she did, didn't she, Kate? Just sit on a player. I forget who it was. She was just sat on for a while whilst trying to tell the ref how she hadn't fouled her. Um, yeah, I mean, we know Kate Longhurst. You know, she's West Ham and was West Ham through and through and uh, is now enjoying her time at, at Charlton, obviously, and coming back to Spurs. But uh, it was interesting that apparently it was Kate Longhurst who was defending the player who uh, nearly took Becky out later on um, and <laughs> trying to say that she wasn't a dirty player. So when it's come from Kate Longhurst, how much do you believe of that kind of assertion? But yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all, there's a little bit of it is the banter of the game, isn't it? And that's fine. But equally when it comes to the uh, challenge on, on Becky, I think that was a little bit um, less that I think that was a little more serious than just the banter of the game. Yeah, that one was definitely really concerning and it was good to see Becky get back up and be able to play the rest of the game. So the crossbar of Charlton's goal bailed them out again as Beth saw a close range shot ricochet off the frame, but Kit was able to sneak in the game winner with a low, not even particularly fast shot that just slipped right past Charlton's keeper. She scored just over five minutes after coming on as a sub. And incidentally, Charlton is the club that Kit got her start at. And she said after the game that although she thought she wouldn't celebrate if she scored, emotions just got the better of her and she couldn't help but enjoy the moment. I know I'm always happy to see Kit a goal. Uh, and we've seen her start to flourish in that more defensive midfield role lately. So do you think we should expect more goal contributions from her now that she has settled into that new role? I mean, hopefully so. Um, we know she's got a left foot on her. And actually the thing that we thought with that goal that she scored against Charlton, it reminded us completely of her first goal for, for Spurs, which was against Bristol City, in which game she scored two almost identical goals to, um, to that one. Um, you know, long-range efforts, probably a bit more power on the ones at Bristol, because I think the Charlton goalkeeper possibly should have saved that one but great and it, it it was great that it was Kit that scored you know we always say don't we oh here we go when one of our ex-players comes on um so good and I mean Kit was a charm from the time she was nine I think till she was about 23 so she was there for a long time but obviously the staff since then have changed a fair old amount and it was Karen stole her from Charlton to bring her to Spurs so the you know mixed stuff going on there but um yeah, I hope I hope Kit can start to, you know, she she does really well defensively in that role, but also she's got a good eye for a ball, a pass, and she's got a good shot on her. So if she can put all of that together, you can understand why Robert's excited about her in that position. Yeah, 100% agree. And like, you know, if we didn't have that many other attacking threats, it would be like, oh, why would you move Kit further from goal? But in this case, I think it's I think it's really good because, you know, there's a certain set of things you want your DM to do or like a DME kind of player. And, you know, if Kit can do those great. And then there's like the nice to have of adding goal contributions on top of it. And we know she can do that. And so I would, I think we would expect, I'd expect to see her do about like the, what you'd expect from a DM that scores goals. Um, I love it when she scores. I was really excited to see that. I think I tweeted something in all caps. It just really enjoyed it all around. I'm a massive, massive Kit fan. Um, seemingly, actually, I didn't think I didn't think in the year 2024 this would be happening, but seemingly more with every game for me. Well, and I think Robert is obviously a big fan of Kit as well because he's spoken about how important it was to get her 
you know, that contract renewal and make sure that we do have that competition in the midfield and always a good thing to be getting goals from farther back in the pitch as well. So anyone have other thoughts to wrap up the second half or just this game as a whole? Man, Beth is, is a little cursed right now, isn't isn't she? I feel like at some point that dam is going to break and she's just going to be raking in the goal contributions. But man, she must be I she must be frustrated. You can see it on her face every time she uh, doesn't score a goal. You know, this time last season, everything she hit hit the back of the net, and right at the moment, nothing is. You know, and easy, goals that you would expect would be easy are just not going in for her and you can see on her face the frustration um and if you watch her after probably the cameras panned away from her the, the frustration is there and you can see it and she just needs to you know hit one that has it has a game where she hits one or two that hit the back of the net and she'll be flying again and there's no doubt about it but um she and Martha certainly struggle when they're both on the pitch not to pass to each other they like to pass to each other rather than try and score which it's lovely, but isn't going to be the answer to our problems at the moment. So, uh, yeah, um, she's. St- I mean, obviously, she's still hugely important for us, and there's still providing a lot. But from her perspective, she needs to be finding the back of the net and 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 doing that because that's what she's you know born to do. So that's great. Um, I also thought it was interesting in this game to see Vicky get a, a yellow card, uh, which we don't see very often. And then after that, she kept away from the fourth official and other people were doing what Vicky, you know, Vicky's usually very good at being the cheeky, friendly person who has a has a word in the fourth official's ear. And she wasn't able to do that in this game. But obviously that challenge on Becky was the cause of that. And that was why she was quite so upset, which I think we could all <laughs> understand. Um, although luckily, as you say, Becky got up and walked away and was fine. Uh, but it did look like it could be worse than that. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when it, the game gets that kind of a contentious in that scenario, you wouldn't have necessarily thought it would. But yeah, so it was a really interesting game. And I think frustrations everywhere. Charlton probably hoping for a little bit more out of it after the way they'd played the first half. Um, and Spurs probably frustrated with themselves for not having scored more. Yeah, I do think that if Charlton get promoted, you know, they could be a, a bit of an issue next season in games. So, you know, respect to them. But what is our reward for making it to the quarterfinal? Yet another matchup with Manchester City. (laughs) At least it's going to be a home match again, and it will be taking place on March 10th at 3 p.m., so get your tickets now. We've got a little bit of time before that next game against City, but what were y'all's gut reactions to hearing about this draw? I mean, of course. I feel like (laughs) when there's that much of a chance, you just know it's going to happen. I mean, first and foremost, at least it's not away. Uh, somebody who goes to the games and it's only a few weeks away although I feel for my Manchester City friends because they, they've been doing a lot of coming down to London in recent weeks they they get drawn away a lot although they did get their last their, their Conti Cup game was a home game so you know they've had one uh, but you know surely this time it's our time right because we've, we've been getting better and better and better in the games against them and the only way to get better in the next game in a cup game is to beat them because you can't draw in a cup game so surely it's it's our game now right this is the one this is the, I mean we, we have beaten them in the past but you know they like to throw the hand of Ros at us and say it wasn't a fair game I don't know what they're talking about but this is the time to 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 take it and you know I mean how amazing would that be but I think at this point it is just a bit of a running joke and at least Beth didn't have to delete her tweet this time around 
yeah, good old Beth. <laughs> I think it was Abby who was pointing out that it, it does kind of feel like we have been cursed by the Hand of Roz moment. Um, hopefully we can break the curse this time. It just feels like we are so overdue for results. And like you said, it has to be a win. We, you know, no settling for a draw in a cup situation. So we'll see how that game goes, but it's still, you know, just under a month away. But our next game is actually going to be a return to WSL play, finally, at home to Aston Villa. They have had, you know, pretty horrendous start to the season with those five losses in a row in the league, which included, you know, the 2-4 loss to Spurs in the reverse fixture. But it seems like they've somewhat righted the ship since then. Um, they did just give up two different leads to draw with Bristol City in their last WSL game, however. And they only advanced in the League Cup on penalties against Brighton. In terms of availability, we will still be without Ash Neville and Drew Spence, although it sounds like she's getting pretty close to a return. But at least we will not have to worry about Rachel Daly's attacking threat for the opposition because she is serving the second game of her three-match ban for a red card. And we learned today that there are several Aston Villa players who are also going to be a doubt to play, and that includes Kenza Dolly and Ebony Salmon. So we've got a home game against a heavily depleted squad that we already beat in the away fixture. Are we feeling confident about doing the league double on Aston Villa this season? Not as confident as I would like to be. I just feel like the vibes. Well, I guess I wasn't confident before the 4-2 game either. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I think if this season has shown anything, it's that I actually never know what I'm talking about but um I don't know I don't know I'm not it, I'm getting I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time reading where we're at because of the new players and the fact that we've basically been playing entirely like championship sides in Manchester City so that and Liverpool I guess but you know that whatever I don't know I don't know what to expect I feel like I'm, I'm losing plot <laughs> Yeah, I feel it's like it's a difficult wasn't it? Because um, Villa are a much better side than they have been showing this season. They look like they were starting to pull themselves out of it and then, you know, get pulled back into it. And I mean, but then, again, those those results are difficult because Bristol are a better side than some of their results were shown this season and they are getting better as the season goes on as well. So I think you can't downplay them too much. Brighton obviously are struggling again and, and all of a sudden they're in, relegation upheaval because West Ham have put a few results together um, so it, it's a really weird season down there and I think Aston Villa as I say should be doing better than they are they've started to put some results together but now they've lost Kenza Dali again probably um, maybe Ebony Salmon who hasn't done great things for them this season but we know is a, is a great player and Rachel Daly won't be there so that's good news so you kind of think we should be getting a result in this game and we should be able to kind of start building some confidence again because I think the last couple of games have probably not been great confidence boosters for us. Um, hopefully this will be the one uh, and then we'll get Ash. Uh, I, I was at training this week and it looked like Drew was pretty much involved in the whole training session. So it does look like she's fully back in training, which is good news and must mean she's close. Ash wasn't in training at all, but hopefully it won't be too long. Although that does seem to be another one that's drawing out longer than we thought it was going to be. Um, when initially um, announced. And I, I I really would like to see Ash back for the Manchester City game because I think she could make a big difference in that as as, as well as Charlie Grant is playing and things. Um, there's a different dimension that Ash gives us 
and a, a bit more strength that I think Ash gives us over 90 minutes. So um, really hoping that, that they will be back soon. But I think we should have enough to beat Villa um, the way their the, the way their season's going, and and I really hope that we get a good convincing uh, scoreline just to re- reinforce our uh, our belief in ourselves. Yeah, and maybe you know fix that goal difference hole that we're kind of in at the moment. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like this game feels a bit like a trap game in the sense that Aston Villa are like this sleeping dragon that could wake up at any time. Um, I, I do think Kenzadali potentially being out is huge for us because we saw, you know, that they were really weakened without her in the reverse fixture. But at the same time, that was the game where Martha Thomas scored her hat trick and she's not really been in, you know, the same form lately. So it's, it feels like two very different teams from the start of the season going into this one. So we'll see how it pans out, but I would like to get some score predictions. Oh, let's go 3-1 to Spurs. I mean, it has to be a high-scoring game, isn't it? The last few times we played them, it was like 3-3 and 4-2. So uh, the Poisson curve breaker game. Um, Let's go with, I think, 3-2 us. I'm also going to go with 3-1 to Spurs. All right, well, we're going to wrap things up with just a few listener questions we had left over from last week. So first one is from David. He said, what are your thoughts on expanding the WSL? Emma Hayes, you know, has said in the past that she's in favor, as opposed to Leah Williamson saying that there are already too many games. Is there a solution to the absurdity of uh, the Champions League teams getting a bye to the Conti Cup quarterfinals? So that's kind of two questions, but what are y'all thoughts? Well, I, th- I do think it's an interesting one, isn't it? That we've been discussing the complexities of it because the women play a lot less than the men's teams do. There's no question about that. So, and there's no real reason why that that needs to be the case. And I do think for the teams that aren't in the top four, actually there aren't enough games because if you're not playing for your national sides and you're not playing in the cup competitions very far, there's not enough games and we get quite a lot of breaks and we do get that winter break in the women's game that we have don't have in the men's game over here. So. I know Emma Hayes throws out some weird and wonderful things at times, but on this one, I'm with her. And I think actually we do need to expand the WSL, not massively, and we'd need to do it sensibly, but um, we do need to expand it and they need to manage, you know, they need to manage game time. A club like Arsenal have no excuse. They've got plenty of uh, depth in their squad. There's no reason why they can't be, you know, playing more games. Yeah, I think you basically said it all. I think that like, having there be more teams and more games would be a good thing and would hopefully help other squads be able to afford some of that same depth. Um, And yeah, couldn't say the rest any better than you did. Yeah. I think I'm on the same wavelength as y'all too. And for me, the other thing is that you're seeing a lot of the teams from the lower divisions really starting to get serious and strengthen so I, I think there is room to have more teams because they are they're ready for it, basically. Um, as for the Conti Cup part of the question, I, you know, I, I think that really the solution to that would be not having the group stage and just having it be, you know, simple knockout ties like it is in the men's side. I feel like that's that's the best solution. Um, but you're right. The, the top teams 
we know that they have absurd squad depth that so they really should you know feel comfortable using it at this point i feel like uh second question we had from johannes is it starting to become a problem that our main starting nine and tens do not score in the wsl anymore if jess should start in the wsl who should be on the bench and then with the center backs do we feel like amy or luana is the better pairing for molly um, and if we already know that Grace will not be here next season, should other players be prioritized? So once again, I feel like I just bombarded y'all with quite a few questions there, but pick which one you want to answer, I guess. Well, I guess it doesn't matter if our 10 isn't scoring, if our six is scoring. Uh, no, I'm kind of joking. I mean, I feel like we're scoring plenty of goals. I haven't really checked that out. I feel like yeah, Beth and Martha like failing to score is like making it seem a lot worse than it is. But it's really cool that like, I don't know, I can't find it in myself to worry too much about our striker slash 10 or strike partnership or whatever you want to call it, not scoring. Because like this time last year, even even after we had Beth already, I think we would have killed for goal contributions all over the field like we're getting now. And certainly before that. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you say, we've got goal contributions elsewhere. And I'm sure Beth and Martha would like to be scoring more goals. You can see it in their faces. But for the time being, we have got other places. Uh, I'm not sure that Jess starting is the best option. She's proven to be a really effective substitute. Uh, and, you know, changing that up might change things. Um, in terms of defensively, I don't really mind whether it's Amy or Luana with Molly. I think they both offer different things. And I think... Um, Amy at centre-back is a different proposition than Amy at full-back, so quite happy with her playing there. So don't mind, but I do think we need to be careful because Molly is playing an awful lot of football and I think playing through some injuries at the moment, which we need to be careful of because she's really important to us, as we know. Uh, and in terms of Grace, while she's our player, let's keep playing her. Yes, get more game time for other people and not worry about her not getting game time if it warrants it. But if she's the best option, she's our player for the time being, and we don't know that she's definitely going back. You know, uh, negotiations presumably are ongoing until she actually has to go back. So keep playing her and keep using her. She's our player at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. As for the question about Jess, I think that one is really interesting because, you know, she has kind of presented herself this season as, you know, a super sub. You know, she's really been effective in that role. And I think we've, probably seen her play a little better at the striker role than at winger this season. So that kind of complicates it too, because, you know, obviously our captain is the striker most often um, and it's hard to bench her. So it's, it's, it's tough for Jess to get starts, I think in that scenario, but at the same time, you know, we have seen like with this past week where we had the three games, it, it I think it would have been a good time for Jess to get a start just for rotation sake, if nothing else. But I think the important thing really is just that she's contributing off the bench as well. So good to see. I'm real quick to say how happy I am with, with Jess lately. Again, I know I say this every pod, but I spent a lot of time saying I wasn't happy with her. So like, just really excited for Jess. Yeah, got to give her credit when it's due, for sure. And the very last question, I honestly don't know if we have an answer to this one, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, we had a question from Eddie who said, I've noticed we have a few players who are CAA-based clients. Has the women's team got a similarly strong relationship with base as the men's team, as far as we know? Do either of y'all have any info on this? 
just that I don't know whether it's like I can't tell whether it's like players coming to Spurs who are, are already have a relationship with that agency or whether um players switch into it because I know we've had some players switch agencies I'm just talking about the women I and I have to admit I don't really know the nature of that agency's relationship with the men either but yeah shrug I will say on the topic of agents Abby flagged something interesting to me yesterday which is that Karis Harrop is now uh, working as an agent so you know there could be some potential for her to help out her old team with some some solid recruitment we'll see But thank you for listening to our latest episode. We will be back next week to recap the Aston Villa game. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at N17Women. Come on, you Spurs.